Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. We're looking forward to uh, not only being able to serve, but make sure you definitely let people know about the radio play being on the radio, which is great. And we've been uh, working towards that. And I was just thrilled to be able to announce it. And of course, Christmas Eve, good things are happening. Good things are happening. God's uh, in control. We trust him. We know that. We've been talking about that. We've been talking for this month about whatever God does, it endures. God's work, God's love, it endures. We've covered this. It's been our theme scripture since the beginning of Advent, Ecclesiastes 3, 14, where Solomon wrote, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Fear him, honor him, revere him. God's doing work. His work is divine. It's supernatural. And what he does, it lasts forever. Us, on the other hand, not so much. Uh, We're... We're temporary in terms of these mortal bodies. In this world, we endure in another sense of the word that we sometimes have to suffer through pain. We have to tolerate discomfort, heartbreak, heartache. And it's not all the time. It's not all the time. I'm not trying to be a downer and tell you life is just always dreary and constant uh, case of perseverance, but there are times, there are times where we must endure. Uh, The plan of God to us uh, as mortals, that's endured. His plan has endured since creation. We talked about from the time of Adam and Eve, and that plan was made. What was the plan? The plan was for restitution, for sin, because the first man and woman, they sinned in the Garden of Eden. And God brought this plan. His word says, the restitution's made not with silver and gold. Why? Temporary. They don't endure. They, even silver and gold will fade away. So it wasn't with silver or gold that uh, this restitution for sin was made. No, the word of God tells us, Peter the great apostle wrote it in his first letter. The word informs us it wasn't about silver or gold or any such thing that could perish. 1 Peter 1, 19 and 20, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And Peter wrote, he was chosen before the creation of the world. This plan existed before we existed. It's hard to comprehend, but God's plan for salvation through Jesus was before the world was even created. And it's endured to today, and it will endure forever. Praise God. God began to reveal this plan to humankind soon after the first man and woman sinned. He promised through the woman's offspring, the head of that serpent would be crushed, the, the deceiver. And then God continued to reveal his plan through the Old Testament and through the prophets of the Old Testament. All the while, he was calling his people 
So believe, believe this, live holy lives. This is what God was asking. But what did the people do? Overwhelmingly, they just relentlessly pursued their own ways. They rejected God. They rejected his ways. Time after time, prophet after prophet, forget about it. We're going to do our own thing. It's, it's really the human condition. And that went prophet after prophet until the last prophet. His name was Malachi. We talked about him last week. He brought some really, really stern words of judgment to the people. And there were uh, words like this. Surely the day is coming and it will burn like a furnace. Who wants that? It's going to burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day is coming and will set them on fire. Pretty tough words of judgment. But Malachi also shared some great words of hope. I review some of what we talked about last week. His hope was for those who feared the Lord. Back to Ecclesiastes. Why does God do these things? Fear the Lord. Honor him. Revere him. The words of Malachi gave hope to those who feared the Lord. Malachi 3.1. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Malachi was pointing to Jesus Christ as all the prophets of old did. He's pointing to the coming Savior, the coming Messiah. We also read Malachi 4.2. But for you who revere my name, you who honor, you who are in awe of the name of God, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Now that came right after the word of the fire that's going to burn, like the furnace. So that was the hope. And I want to add to that the last two verses of the last chapter of Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, it's verses 5 and 6. It's a short chapter. Here's how it closes. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful, dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So Malachi gave great words of hope. He said there was a messenger coming. He's coming in the spirit and the power of the prophet Elijah to prepare the way. And after Malachi, the, the faithful, which was a small group, to use, a, to use current Christian jargon, it was a small group. The Bible uses the word remnant. This remnant of believers, this remnant who were faithful and revered God's name, they were going to have to endure. Now that God had decided, I'm really not going to be speaking through the prophets to the nation anymore. And people had to endure his silence, generation after generation, for 400 years. The voice of the prophets of the nation stopped with Malachi and got silent for centuries. As the faithful waited and they endured this silence, their hope prevailed. Their hope to look forward prevailed. The hope from all of the Old Testament prophets who did point to Jesus, that hope prevailed. The nearest to them, the nearest prophet was, of course, Malachi. He was the last one 
who had a message from God. And I imagine that his words of hope were repeated over and over again, family to family. Those who believed shared them. Father to to son, mother to daughter, father to daughter, mother to son. They taught their kids. These are the words of hope from God. Even though he's silent now and he's not talking to us, we have something to hang our head on. We have hope. Now, as we move into the New Testament, we find that there was this hope. It did endure. And we find records of the hopeful. Those who were waiting, they were anticipating the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior that Malachi had described as the rising of the Son of Righteousness. So this morning I want to look at an example of one of these that were waiting and anticipating. It's a family that was hopeful. And though they were enduring, they maintained their hope. And this account is in the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and it's about a priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. They were the father and mother of John the Baptist. They were part of this faithful group called the Remnant. They were the small group. Now, Luke records they were righteous, they were devout, they were blameless, they followed God's laws, yet he wrote they were childless. He said Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. And then Luke describes a time where Zechariah's division of priests was to go work at the temple. Now the priests, and you can read about this in the first book of Chronicles, they were divided into 24 divisions. Zechariah's division was number eight, the division of Abijah. This uh, was a division that was set back in the early times of the priest. And yet that had endured. 24 divisions, they'd serve two weeks a year in the temple. And they had various duties. When they would uh, assemble, before they would go to do their duties, they'd draw lots. Who's going to do what? So they drew lots. And Luke recorded that Zechariah drew the lot to go into the temple and burn incense at the altar of incense before the Lord. So... Into the temple, Zechariah went. And he went to burn the incense. And while he was there, he had this amazing experience. We saw all the angels in the video. The the coming of Christ had many, many episodes of angels. Well, Zechariah was visited by an angel, and an angel appeared to him. Let's read the account. It's in Luke chapter 2. I want to read Verses 11 through 20, a good deal of the narrative here about what occurred with this priest, Zechariah. He's in the temple. He's burning incense. Luke 2, 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit 
and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now what an incredible experience this man had. He is visited by an angel. We get the name of the angel. It's the angel Gabriel. And the angel said, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Now that's great news. Your prayer has been heard. And he said, you're going to have a son. Now I've, I've mentioned this before. And I've asked this question. Was Zechariah praying for a son? This guy was stunned. He said to the angel, how can this be? I'm an old man. Now, hey, anyone here is an old man? Are you, are you praying for kids? Is that your morning prayer? Oh, Lord, send me a son. Hey, I made it to 80. Yeah, send me a son. Is that really the prayer of an old man? It's a little bit of a perplexing scripture, isn't it? But I think that it had to be a, a long ago prayer. It wasn't a prayer that he was saying that morning. Probably not. I just can't imagine it. It doesn't make sense. Well, what was he praying then? What was his most recent prayer? Well, what would Zechariah have been praying even that very morning before he walked into the temple to burn the incense? Was it, Lord, send me a son? I'm an old guy. I, can't even, I don't even know if I can lift him. But hey, send me one. I don't think so. But that's what the angel said. You're going to have a son. But he also said other things that I think give us a clue, a better clue to really what Zechariah was likely praying. The angel said, your son will prepare the people for the Lord. He'll bring back many to the Lord. He's going to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. He's going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He's going to turn the disobedient to the righteous. And that should all sound familiar, right? Because this is the final words of hope from the prophet Malachi. This is Malachi closing out his prophecy. Now I can see Zechariah on his knees. I can see him praying that. Lord, your word was that you were going to send one to prepare the way. Lord, you told us through the prophet. I know it was a long time ago. It was, it was 400 years ago. But he spoke the word that you were going to send a messenger to prepare the way. And then the Messiah would come. He'd come quickly to his temple. Lord, Lord, bring it about. Bring it to pass. This is my prayer, Lord. I pray it with hope. I can, I can see Zechariah praying that prayer. 
I can, I can just picture him on my knees before he's going into that temple to burn the incense. And then while he's in there, while he's in there, the answer comes. The answer comes, and uh, as Paul had wrote to the Ephesians about God answering, Zechariah's prayer was answered exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what he could ask or think. Did he think? Did he even conceive? Could he even have uh, conjured up such an idea that the one to prepare the way, he's praying perhaps the, the words of Malachi, send the one to prepare, could he even think it'd be his very own son? I don't think the thought would have ever entered his mind. And he was stunned. He was absolutely stupefied. How can this be? How can this be? We're old. Elizabeth is way beyond childbearing years. But yet in a moment, in a moment, God answered a lifetime of prayer for this man. Prayer for a family. I'm certain he was praying for kids back when he was able to to have kids, when they were in their childbearing years. I can imagine they prayed daily, Lord, please. And then prayer for the herald of the Messiah to come. Lord, send the one who's going to prepare the way. And then even the Messiah, the one who's going to come after. We know he's going to come. The one who's going to come to the temple, the Savior. I can see that Zechariah had a lifetime of prayer and it's answered in a moment. Answered in a moment. And wow, what an answer he gets. I don't think the, the superlatives exceedingly abundantly even do it justice. It's amazingly, it's fantastically, it's infinitely beyond what he could have asked or thought. And because he's so stunned, he questions the angel. How can this be? How can this be? And he's told, because you did not believe. And these things are going to come true at their appointed time. Because you didn't believe, you're going to be silent and unable to speak until it actually happens. And that seems like a pretty hard turn of events, too. Zechariah's got to be silent now until his son's born. His wife wasn't even pregnant. Wasn't even pregnant. He's got to go home and explain all this to her by writing it down. And uh, he's probably got to write her a few love notes, too, in there, I bet. Because she's got to conceive. And he's got to endure now being silent for an extended period of time. I don't know, it's months, years, could be a year or, or more. And the angel said, because you did not believe. Well, he, he, he got this experience, didn't he, to somewhat be sequestered. He was silenced. He couldn't talk. And I bet it gave him pause to think about his prayer. Think about his response. But I know this. I would have responded the same way. I would have been like, what are you talking about? No way. No way. And I've had those reactions to prayer. I've had those reactions to answered prayer. Nope, can't believe it. God just did it. Why am I saying that? Why am I saying that? I shared once to you a story about Pastor Abdel from Hope Church where he and I, were, we prayed. We prayed in my office. He wanted a home. You know, many of you know, Hope Church was here. They used our auditorium. 
for over a year, but they were looking for a place to call home. And Abdel, Pastor Abdel, wanted a home desperately. And we had talked one day and said, let's pray. We prayed. Ah, it was a week or so. Not, not long after, he calls me. He said, hey, Pastor Pat, I got a call. Pastor down the street at 16 in Dodge Park. Really not too far to move. He said, this pastor called me and said, hey, we've heard about your church and your ministry. Uh, we want you to come use our building. You can use it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You only, just one hour, all we want is one hour on Sunday, 9 to 10. Well, their service was at 11. Are you kidding me? God just gave him a building out of the blue. He calls me and tells me this. And what do I say to him? Oh, I can't believe it. That's the first words out of my mouth. What is up with that? We prayed for it. This is not the way to look at prayer. And yet this is Zechariah. He's like, ah, no, it's, you know. Here's an angel standing before him. He's afraid for his life. The angel says, fear not. I mean, he's having this supernatural experience. He's going to tell him, he tells him something way, way beyond amazing. Nope, no, no, it can't happen. Can't believe it. So yes, he was given this time to think about it. A time of silence. And I'll tell you what, I'm glad God didn't strike me mute because when I, my first words out of my mouth to, to Avda, well, I don't believe it. God did an amazing thing. And he did it with Zechariah. And it seems that Zechariah then became a new man. He had a new passion. And when he was able to speak, when his son was eight days old and he was going to be circumcised, Zechariah's mouth was opened. It was opened. And here's what was recorded by Luke. This is Luke chapter 1. Verses 67 to 79, the first words of Zechariah after his months long, I don't know, maybe a year of silence. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, can you imagine him? Can you imagine him now cradling this little infant boy, eight days old? And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. Wow, he finishes. And Luke wrote that these words of Zechariah spread among the people. All the, all the people of the hill country of Judea, Luke wrote, everyone was talking about it. Everyone. Zechariah prophesied. Hey, God had been silent for 400 years. Read your Old Testament. And, and the order of prophets goes, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Who's the next prophet? A Zechariah again. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He 
speaking the word of God and he prophesied about his son and about the Savior and the message went out to the people. He prophesied in the spirit of Malachi. He was holding on to the very fulfillment of what Malachi said about one who would prepare the way. And that was a message 400 years old. And here, he's got this child that will be the very messenger. And he says, he will prepare the way for salvation, for forgiveness of sins. And this is going to come how? Ah, he says the words of Malachi, doesn't he? The sun will rise. What's he talking about? The sun of righteousness, the rising sun from heaven, Jesus. And his son, John, is going to lead the way for Jesus. And all this after a life of enduring, enduring the wait. Hey, have you been waiting for something? This guy waited and he endured. Generations before him endured. We don't know when God's going to answer, but when he does, be ready. He had another year of silence. And what a year we've had. What a year we've had. Have you felt sequestered? Have you felt silenced, shut in? Some have been displaced from jobs. You haven't been able to connect with your school or attend school. We've been distanced. We're connected, yeah, electronically. But we certainly aren't connected physically as we were before. And so many feel so alone and silenced. So what can we take away from this account of Zechariah? Now we say it often. We say it often. Brother Barry was up here reminding us about it. We say it often, over and over again. We repeat it. But repetition is good. Pray. Let's be reminded to pray. What had Zechariah been doing? Zechariah prayed. The angel confirmed that. Your prayer was heard. Now he was old. But no doubt he had been persistent. Though many before him had prayed, generation after generation had prayed, and they didn't even live to see the promise. They continued to pray. Zechariah was certainly taught by someone before him. He was a devout priest. And he prayed, and he continued praying into his old age. In our time of uh, seclusion, in this season that we have, as it were, of silence from so many that we can't be around, don't stop praying. Do not give up praying. When I read the prophecy of Zechariah and how closely it draws from from the the book of Malachi, how it draws from the prophecy that Malachi gave, I arrive at this conclusion. Zechariah was praying the word of God and he was praying the promises of God. When you are in a season that seems to have no end in sight, a season of suffering, it may be months long, it may be years long, it might even be decades long. Pray the promises of God. I I have no doubt Zechariah was praying the promises of God. Zechariah's prayer was heard. I, 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 I said I could see him praying these words of Malachi. God, you promised. God, you promised to send someone. You promised to send the messenger. When he appears, the Messiah will appear. Send him, Lord. Send him. That's what you promised, and I'm going to pray it. 
And then in the temple, God fulfilled his promise in, in an amazing way. But Zechariah had endured. Can you see him enduring? Can you see him enduring prayer? It wasn't one time. He was an old man. He had a life of prayer. He was a priest and he was devout. And then when God answered, when God answered, it seems he had this little lapse of this moment of, I don't believe it. No way. Let's pray and believe. Pray and believe. Pray the promises of God. I'll, I'll close with a few. The, the word of God's full of them. The word of God is full of promises. But pray promises like James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Do you love the Lord? You say, I love the Lord, but I'm persevering. I'm enduring this trial. Pray it, Lord, help me. Help me to continue to persevere. Help me to continue to endure the trial, God, because I want to stand on your promise that I'll get the crown of life. Pray that. Pray the promise of God. Pray and believe. Are you being tempted? Are you being tempted to go against the rules? Your boss, your teacher, the governor, are you tempted to take matters into your own hands? Are you tempted to live life your own way? Are you tempted to chase after the world? Pray the promises of God and believe. Pray uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so you can endure it. God, I, this is in front of me. I'm tempted to do the wrong thing. Help me with that way out. God, I know you'll provide it. I, I trust your word. Show it to me. Let me take it. Lord, give me the strength to resist. Because your promise says you will provide a way out. God, show it to me. Help me there so I don't fall to this. Pray and believe. Do you want to be an overcomer? Do you want to overcome the world? Pray the promises of God and believe. Prayers like 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Lord, I want to be an overcomer. God, I want to overcome the world. What does the word say there? What does the word say? You, you want the, the promise to be the overcomer? It says you got to believe. Believe. Believe in the son of righteousness, this gift of God. Jesus is his name. He, he arose. He came on the first Christmas morning to shine on those who were living in the shadow of death in darkness and in the shadow. That's, that's the way of the world. Death is the way of the world. Philosophers. Yeah, since people like Friedrich Nietzsche, who, who's sort of a father of, uh, of humanism, 
You know, he wrote famously, God is dead. Everything is the same. Nothing is worthwhile. The world is senseless, he wrote. The world to him was dark. And life was dark and it was empty and it was nothingness. And it was, hey, we came from nothing, we're going to nothing. No, that's the way of the world. That's darkness. That's darkness. The promise of God to overcome the world with Jesus, this is light. This is the rising sun. This is victory. This is overcoming. And the only one who's the overcomer is the one, it says, who believes. Believes that Jesus is the son of God. And that he gave his life to pay the restitution, a life that he gave as a sacrifice for our sin. Believe that, you'll receive the victory. Lord, I believe that. Lord, I believe that the promise is yours then, the promise to be an overcomer, the promise to be victorious, to overcome death. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, I want to be in the light. I don't want to be in the shadow of death. I don't want to believe this God is dead nonsense. I don't want to believe everything is the same and nothing is worthwhile. I want to believe your promise. Your promise of eternal life, victory, overcoming the world. God, I want that promise. You got to believe. Believe. Jesus is the one. That word from John said, those who are born of God, born again. Those who are born again, they're the overcomers. And if you never prayed a prayer like that, pray it today. Pray it today and receive the light. And if you're living and you say, I love Jesus. If you're living in the light and you've accepted Jesus, but you're enduring these things. You've got trials and tribulations the situation around you has just been overbearing because of all the things we're experiencing. Pray the word of God and pray his promises. God's not dead. No, he's, he's working. And everything he does endures forever. So we're going to close with prayer. And then I want to invite you, before you leave, from the front of the church, just come to the altars and pick up one of these requests. They're spread out. Give people distance. But if you would, just come and pick one up. I, I took a photo of one of these and I mentioned it to Pastor Barry this morning. It was a little longer, a little farther away than I thought. It was in September. But I'd taken this photo walking through the, the foyer and it said this. Because I thought, I I need to pray over this one. It said, during this pandemic time, I'm very alone. No calls, no friends. I feel forsaken by God. If that's you this morning, pray the promises of God. Get into his word. Promises are there for life. We can endure together. Let's, let's take these needs, pick them up. Let's pray as we close. Stand to your feet and let's pray. Let's not neglect it. Let's, let's hear what we heard earlier. Let's be active in this. It's what we can do right now. 
especially if we feel like we're, we're all alone and we're silent. I'm sure in Zechariah's silence, he prayed too. He continued, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. And God, help us to see in it truth and life and your promises for life. And God, help us to continue to be before you to pray these things and not just selfishly for ourselves, but for others, for those who need it, for this person, God, who feels so alone and forsaken. God, send your spirit, help that person encourage. They feel forsaken by you and alone. Lord, stretch out your hand. Show them you're there. And for any in this room, God, who never prayed, who never ever prayed for Jesus to be that sun in their life, to take away the darkness, God, if there's any praying that, any, any who, who are within my voice, who are connecting online, God, I pray that you would shine that sun on their heart and on their life. Show that yourself to be true, God. Carry them. Wrap your arms around them. As they repent and turn to you, God, give them a new life. Give them the light of Christ. And Lord, for those who call on you and love you and have been suffering months, years, long time, God, I just pray and we pray together for your help, for your help, God, for you to help to to persevere, to endure, God, and to bring a change, to to touch lives, God, whatever that need may be. We thank you, God. You're an awesome God. You're a wonderful God. Your word is true. You spoke it from long ago. It came true in Christ, and it continues to be true today. Thank you for that, God. You're not dead. You're alive, and you're taken care regardless of what we're going through. We're in your hands. Thank you for that, God. And as we go now, Lord, Lord, I just pray that as, as each one comes forward to pick up a need, may it be one that you'd, that you'd select for them, that they would just have the heart and the passion to pray over it and to take up this need. Keep us as praying people, praying your promises, God. We thank you and we commit it all to you in that powerful name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.